Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and right alongside, of course, as mentioned, is my good friend and co-host, LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing fantastic for another Tuesday morning. Um, Very, very excited. We've got a great show this morning. We're going to be talking with here just a little uh, moment or two. We're going to be talking to Jillian Hollis. She's the winner of this past weekend's uh, Symmetra Tours Iowa Championship, uh, her first win on the Symmetra Tour. And then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by a friend of yours, uh, Gail Peterson, who's both a PGA and LPGA member. So very excited to have both of these uh, women on the show this morning. Um, But I was asking you about how everything's going on in Buffalo. Are you guys getting some warm weather up there yet? Well, you know, it's funny. I I had to do a speaking engagement at Turning Stone on Sunday night. And Monday morning, yesterday morning, we woke up to about eight inches of snow. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, but today it's I guess that, to be high yeah. at 50, so now it's going to flood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forget I asked. <laughs> right? Well, like I said to you before, it's time to, yeah, it's time. I know you love Buffalo down here in Florida. Um, anyways, well, we're, we're glad everybody can join us this week. morning. And Oh, that's right, another boot camp? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank God. So we wow. Get yeah, very good. Um, so tell us, actually, we got a moment or two before, uh, Jillian joins us. So, uh, tell a little bit about the boot camp. I know you've probably already got it filled out, but just, uh, let everybody know, uh, what goes on at some of the boot camps. Well, we go to Orlando and we go to Orange County National Golf Club, which, um, hosts the PGA, uh, demo day every year and was the site of the PGA tour final stage of the qualifying school they have two golf courses crooked cat and panther lake and they have a nine hole practice academy type place that's called the tooth and boot camp is four days we have breakfast every morning we practice and work on our games until noon we have lunch and then we play 18 holes of golf so it's not a golf vacation it is a change your game forever type of school we work on every aspect of your game, which is awesome. Hence the, yeah, hence the name boot camp. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, and I know, yeah, I know you've done a lot of these uh, over the years, both you and, of course, your your uh, husband, uh, Alan, uh, who's, of course, a, a very prominent PGA professional. Um, is this going to be, is this a kid's or is this uh, a, a mixture uh, this one coming well, up. this is an adult one, but we have two high school golfers okay. coming. They couldn't come to the February oh, okay. camp, so <clears throat> we've got two kids coming, and uh, and then some adults, and the adults are all from Buffalo. So last time we had uh, a bunch of people from Pennsylvania. So 
<clears throat> maximum amount of people is eight because we have a foursome in Allen and a foursome in Cindy. So it's four to one. And it's a great right. way to really, really work on your game. So if anybody's interested, go to Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com and send me an email. And yeah, it's a great scoop and when's the next camp. Yep. Um, and uh, obviously very well. You've, you've had some, we had a few young ladies on the show, uh, I guess a couple of months ago now when we first uh, came back on air for the season and uh, obviously, uh, they were very excited to participate. And I think you had uh, a couple of them that actually had been before, were they not? I think I remember one of them for sure was uh, yep, yep. had been to a, a previous before. one. So, and, right. And on April sixteenth, right. we're going to have one of them on the air with us. Oh wow! Okay, good. Yeah, I always love to have. You know, it's always interesting because, uh, especially, I really love having some of the young. Uh, kids on the show because they have a different perspective than what you and I would have. I mean, they're very, very focused and you wouldn't think so at that age. I mean, obviously some of them are very young, um, but they're very, very focused and know specifically um, what they need to work on and what gives them the most trouble. And that's, um, you know, that's something that's important. I think obviously the earlier you can start playing the better, but uh, for those of you that, uh, you know, maybe have taken golf up a little bit later, it's always um, a good idea to really, sort of zero in on some of the problem areas uh, and be able to identify them. And that's uh, something I think that uh, a lot of people could, could take to heart. Um, we're, like I said, we're just waiting for, for Jillian Hollis to, uh, to join us this morning. She's running, I guess, a couple of minutes late, um, but um, we'll, uh, we will bring her on as soon as she uh, uh, connects with us and that. Um, we've got some great guests coming up and Cindy and I were talking about one particular that's going to be coming up towards the end of the month, Paul Castor, a uh, great PGA professional, and uh, he's actually uh, been on the other broadcast that I do Thursday nights, um, Golf Talk Live. He's been a, a regular member of the Coach's Corner panel, and we talk about a lot of different uh, things that are obviously pertinent to the game. So he's going to be joining us, uh, and we've got a few others uh, in the mix in between, uh, including some of the other winners that are going to be coming up here on the Symmetra Tour. So uh, got a great season in, in store for everybody, and we appreciate you all uh, tuning in and, and joining us this morning uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. Um, so what else have you got cooking besides the boot camp, Cindy? I've been doing an awful lot of training, team building training and speaking. I did the Women Up Conference in February, and I just spoke at the Kenworth, which is a trucking company, uh, their national meeting at Turning Stone the other night. And yesterday I spoke to Ignite Buffalo, which is a division of 43 North, which is sponsored by Facebook, believe it or not, to hmm. teach local businesses how to run their businesses better. And yesterday we did an event called The Why Behind What Motivates You. So we did a two-hour workshop with um, well, probably 50 people downtown Buffalo, and that was fun. Everybody got to take a motivation assessment to find out what fires them up and why some people drive them nuts. And then this Friday, I've got a webinar I'm doing for the women in legal leadership. We've got a couple hundred women going to be on a call to find out their behavior style and what motivates them to action and how to make their teams run like a fine-tuned machine. (laughs) <laughs> well, that is always uh, op- optimal, of course. I mean, uh, um, you know, 
what a lot of people, what's interesting, and, and I just want to obviously stay on golf here for a little bit, but, um, you know, one of the things I think, Cindy, and you know this as well, because you've worked with a lot of uh, different companies in that over the years and work with their, for, for a lot of different things, getting them motivated and getting them um, to really understand um, their roles in the company and that, but you also integrate with a lot of your, your speaking and that, obviously about golf and the benefits. And I know we've talked about this before, but, um, you know, I don't think people really appreciate some of the benefits that, uh, that golf has um, as a business tool. And uh, we'll have to have that conversation because I see Jillian, Jillian's here. So I, I think I stalled sufficiently uh, to get her on. Let me just tell everybody a little bit about Jillian and then we'll, uh, we'll bring her on. Uh, as I mentioned, Jillian Hollis is our, our special guest this morning from uh, the Symmetra Tours, uh, winner of the Symmetra Tours Iowa Championship this past weekend. Uh, she's 21 from Rocky River, Ohio, made her professional debut at the 2018 U.S. Women's Open, uh, spent three years at the University of Georgia, and was a three-time All-American. Uh, she was two-time All-SEC second team selection before being named uh, to the first team in 2018. Uh, she com- competed in the 2014 Canadian Pacific Women's Open, uh, as well as the 2016 N18 Marathon Classic on the LPGA Tour. Uh, made the cut in eight of her 12 uh, starts in her rookie campaign on the Symmetra Tour last season, uh, and lost in a sudden-death playoff in her uh, Symmetra Tour debut at uh, the 2018 Forsyth Classic. So obviously uh, came right out of the gate uh, with some very impressive play. And of course, it all came to fruition this past weekend as she uh, closed it out and won uh, the Iowa Championship. So let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, Jillian Hollis. Good morning. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. How are You're you? You're on with... <laughs> I'm doing very, very well. Thank you for joining Cindy and I this morning. Uh, we're glad to have you oh on. Oh my and Cindy, I'm gonna Thank let you, you go for ahead. Having me. Well, well, we appreciate it. Um, are you fired how up? are you this morning? Oh my gosh, so well. fired up! Yes. Where are you? <laughs> so we know I'm where actually, you're calling. I'm in Windsor, California. It's uh, six o'clock, about six ten here. Oh. So um, I'm. Flew out yesterday, left left uh, Beaumont, and <laughs> I'm at my next tournament. <laughs> wow! Wow! Very cool. Yeah. So, congratulations, Jillian. Uh, obviously, a very uh, impressive win. And um, I, I want to just let the folks know just how how um, really close it was. You actually finished uh, overall four under, uh, and you had two young ladies that were. Uh, nipping at your heels at three under. Um, So it was a very, very close finish. But what was interesting was um, you were actually, at one point, you were five over par in your final round uh, heading into the last four holes. Uh, And (laughs) you finished with a birdie at at, uh, 15, which was a par three. Uh, Then you eagled uh, the par five at 16th and then finished uh, par par over your last two holes to give you that uh, uh, negative four, if you will, uh, on the scorecard overall. So um, tell us a little bit about that. What was, you know, are you a, 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 um, a score watcher, if you will? Did you know where you were sitting at at that point? So I actually looked, peeked at the leaderboard after nine and saw, I don't, I don't think people who are watching the tournament didn't understand how hard the conditions were. I think there were like three people out of the 66 that were playing um, that Sunday that were under par. 
so it was it was really brutal conditions and I saw I looked at the leaderboard as three over after the first nine saw that I was still in the lead so I I kind of I don't think I should have looked at the leaderboard um and, but I I tried not to look at the leaderboard the rest of the day so I I didn't really know where I was I made my birdie on that par three and then kind of glanced at the leaderboard and saw that someone was um four under ahead of me and ended up making that eagle from off the green. I, I was about five five feet off the green. I had like a 30-foot downhill putt and ended up making that, which was uh, super clutch. And um, wow. my playing partner, Amy, also had a birdie, but I didn't know that she – I didn't know that that put her at four under. So I really had – I had no idea. Um, and then I just kind of tried to focus on what I was doing – Made my par in 17 and then 18. I mean, we all had wedges into the green, but it was just so windy. It's, it was so downwind, and the greens were so firm that, like, we we, cl- all, we all clubbed down and still managed to fly over the green. Um, so we all had putts from the fringe and difficult putts as well. And Amy um, just missed her comeback. Um, and then I ended up making like a five footer, a very nerve wracking five footer to win. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a it was a tough day. Tough, tough day. Well, you managed to, to close it out and, and uh, ultimately be the winner and, and obviously uh if you hadn't made that that uh that final putt, it would have put you into probably what a three uh three way tie and would have got, had to go into sudden death and that's been Something uh, I think the first two tournaments, if I'm not mistaken, on this match tour this season ended in sudden death. So you managed to yeah. uh, to make that clutch, uh, those clutch holes, and uh, and ultimately win. Um, Cindy, you go ahead. I know you've got some some questions for for Jillian as well. Hi, Cindy. So, hi, Jillian. How are you? <laughs> My hubby is a bulldog. My hubby played at uh, University of Georgia and then played on the tour for 15 years. Played the Masters five times. So he's oh, Mr. Like Georgia him. boy. Yes. Alan Miller is a bulldog. Yes. True and true. Anyway, um, so let me ask you, what went through? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on you a little bit because I think okay. um, you got out of the funk when. So let me ask you, when you looked at the scoreboard or the leaderboard, did you start to protect? And is that why you kind of went downhill? And then what did you do to get yourself out of it to go back to pursuing? A little bit because you're 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 kind of frustrated on the first time because you're you know bogeys are good scores on some of these holes. I mean, they they set us up where we'd play we'd play like a 430 yard par four dead into the oh, wind uphill. Well, and it was just the conditions were, I mean, we'd have like hybrids and my, they had, my playing competitors had like fairy woods into some of the holes just because it was so windy. So it was, it was really tough. And, you know, sometimes a bogey was a good score and there were a few doubles um, in my group. So it's, I just tried to make as many pars as I could. And if I could throw in a birdie, that would be great, but to not get greedy, um, I actually like it, it. I think putting on the greens was the hardest as well because the ball is oscillating and you're trying to just wait for your ball to sit still. And I missed like a two foot foot put, put putt on the front nine because it was just so windy. And um, 
the conditions were so tough. And I think I kind of looked at the leaderboard almost like, oh, I, you know, bogeys are, bogeys are okay. (laughs) And like, everyone's making bogeys. It's fine. And then I just, I got a little slack on the, on 10 and 11. Um, But not, not so much mentally. I think I just, I put myself in a bad position on 10. I was in the rough and then hit it on the lip of the bunker. And then on 11, we had this uphill shot, which is normally a wedge or a sand wedge or something less into this hole. And I hit a nine iron thinking it wouldn't get there. And it ended up going through the wind and flying the green. So just oh kind of God. unfortunate. I know just kind of unfortunate circumstances, but <laughs> I just tried to stay positive. Um, you're never out of it. Every shot counts. And Amy ended up making a few birdies. So I was like, okay, the birdies are out there. Like you can make birdies. And I put myself in a really good position on um, 13. I had this seven-foot putt that just it slid right to left. And with the wind, it didn't fall. Like, don't get frustrated. And the next hole, I had a, a 10-foot putt and slid again. And I was like, okay, don't get frustrated. Like, you can do this. Good for you. Just, wow. I know. And it, it, it was very tough. And I think um, growing up in Ohio and playing through really harsh conditions and playing in the snow, I would always go and practice in the winter time outside because I was like, nothing's ever going to be worse than these conditions. And no matter how frustrated you get, like that'll reflect in your game. So I just tried to stay positive and my friends all came out and watched me. So that, that, you know, pumped me up a little bit. Um, I saw my really good friend, Lauren Stevenson. She had played in the LPGA tournament that morning and drove over and came and watched me. So she got to see my birdie and my eagle. Um, she she came on 15. So she saw birdie eagle and then got to see me win. So it was, it was super nice. Um, but I think just, just being positive and, and knowing that, you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen in the golf tournament, especially when the wind is as bad as it was. Well, and you know, it's funny that you said that because I happen to, I live in Buffalo and grew up here and went to the University of <laughs> Miami, but for me. the same thing. <laughs> How far? It's like two hours from me, Buffalo. Oh, cool. So where near, where in Ohio are you from? Um, Cleveland area. I'm oh, right on the lake. The so if you took a boat across Lake Erie, you'd be in, at, in Canada in an hour. <laughs> Awesome. So, yeah, the same thing here. And it's funny because the worse the conditions, the better I play. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I, I played on the LPGA Tour for a few years, and now I play on the Legends Tour. And we had an event at French Lick Resort in the fall, and it was like 48 degrees, and the wind was howling, and it was raining. And, and the day that it was nice, I played like crap. And the day, the first day and the <laughs> last like, day, I – yeah, I'm like, hey, make the wind blow because all these girls from California and Florida are going to suffer. And so I think that gives us an advantage, to be honest with you, of being resilient. And once you look at the leaderboard, you know everyone's having a hard time here. It's not just you. So right. God bless you. Good job. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I had a really good round the second day. Um, conditions were super easy and no, I don't even want to say easy. The wind was really hard in the morning and then kind of died down on the back nine, and I was able to make um, 
I think I made four birdies in the back nine and, and no bogeys. So um, that was, that was super helpful and put me into a good, a good place to go into the next day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and I carried my bag the last two days as well. I couldn't find a push cart and I had a caddy the first day, but he couldn't end up making it the next two days. So I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just carry my bag. Like it's, I can do this. And, um, and uh, just, just just doing it myself and it's, it's my bag and I out there. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. That just, you know what? It just shows that you don't have to have the whole team behind you. You know, you got to well, be resilient and tough and problem solve and all of the above. And I have a super great team behind me. Um, not, not so much on the course all the time. Um, I usually do, but, like my coach Gareth Rafluski and Scott Hamilton, I talked to them all week prior and leading up. And having an iPhone is like super awesome nowadays because you can just send videos and send them off. And I was really struggling with my putting after the first day, and um, he they really helped me a ton. And it, it was so it's so nice to have that support and know that like it, whenever I call them, they'll be there um, to help me and help me get better. Um, I can always count on them. And I shot a really good score the next day. So I'm very grateful for that. My family who's always supporting me and I really, I couldn't do it without them. I talk to them like five times a day (laughs) when I'm on the road. Awesome. That's great. Very good. Um, let me ask you, Jillian, um, you know, speaking of family and, and things like that, obviously, you know, traveling uh, on tour, sometimes uh, a lot of times you're, you're on your own. Of course, you sometimes buddy up with, with some of the other young ladies on tour and that, uh, whether you're driving or, or what have you. Um, what do you do outside of the golf course? I mean, obviously you go out and eat and, and do things like that. Do you practice a lot um, or do you do other things to sort of, sort of take your mind off, off golf for a little while? Yeah, I mean, I practice a ton. I I practice a lot. But so yesterday, Mondays are always our off days. And when I'm off the golf course, I don't I don't think about golf. I don't like to, you know, unless I'm I'm planning for the next day. But like, if you think about golf, um, 24 hours a day. I was having this conversation with my friend yesterday. It's like you'll burn yourself out for how many weeks we play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be playing 26 right. weeks straight out of this year and that's not including the off weeks those are the on weeks every like every tournament week you start monday or tuesday and you just kind of go from there and you don't really turn off um so like this past monday uh yesterday actually it was kind of like a travel day and then my friend and i went to this cute little town near windsor um and just kind of walked around some art galleries had lunch went to the bookstore and just took it easy. I like to work out a lot, um, but I don't have a whole lot of free time right now. I'm still in school. Um, I'm actually graduating. Just I'm hoping to oh, okay. uh, go. We have a tournament in Atlanta. I'm, I'm hoping to it's, and it's right during my graduation. So I'm hoping to drive over to Athens and walk that night during my tournament. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what are you majoring in? Oh, yeah, I was a plate center. 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I have a full plate right now. Um, but I think I think once I'm done with school, I'll have a lot more time to like really focus on working out or picking up a hobby or doing something. In the winter, I like to snowboard. Um, we didn't have any snow this year, so I wasn't able to do that um, in December. But um, I definitely like like spending time with my friends and just doing things that can take your mind off of all the golf that we're playing all the time. Let's yeah, you gotta have a little bit. I, 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 yeah, I can't. I didn't quite hear that. Did you say a journalism major? Is that what you said? Yeah, journalism and communications. Communications. Okay, I thought that's what you said. I couldn't quite hear it. Um, let me just ask you one other <laughs> question, then Cindy, I'll throw it back to you. Um, being that uh, you're you're going to be in Georgia in that, and and I'm sure you're aware um, this week. Uh, in fact, it was yesterday that uh, we started getting the buzz about it. Um, but of course, up around Augusta National is the Augusta mm-hmm. National Women's Amateur. How cool right. is that? Um, you know, you know to have. Uh, I think it was 25 young ladies, or no, from 25 countries. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sure the, the size of the field it's going to be, but 25 uh, countries represented. Um, and they're going to be playing the first uh, uh, 36 holes. Um, and then the final round uh, will be at Augusta National on April 6th. So um, starting t- um, tomorrow and Thursday uh, will be the, the um, preceding rounds. And then, of course, the final round will be at Augusta. But how cool is that? Um, you know, obviously, Augusta National is um, – certainly in my opinion one of the most beautiful if not the most beautiful golf course in the world and it's a big stage has been for for the men but now we're starting to see um, an introduction to women's golf and I think this is a great way to to really get it started how cool is that to you as a young lady to see some of these up-and-coming amateurs uh, have an opportunity uh, to play on, on a stage like that Ted it's so it's so amazing and in and I'm so grateful that we've had this like women's golf is having this opportunity to go play at Augusta and more people are going to watch because it, they want to see how the women do on this, on a course like this. I was, I was fortunate enough to play it, um, play Augusta in college. So I know how amazing it is and it'll be a test of the nerves. Um, the girls more than anything to just be playing such a, a prestigious golf course. I think they play two rounds and then um, the people who make the cut will play a practice round and then they'll play. So they'll get two full rounds on Augusta National. And it's just, it's so amazing that they're giving the women this opportunity. I'm I'm hoping they can eventually get um, a pro tournament there. That would be really neat. But um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a super great opportunity. And I know, pretty much the whole field of, of the amateurs that are playing. So it'll be really nice to follow them around and um, see how they, they do that week. But it's, it's just so cool to see how much the game has grown for women. Yeah, I, I agree. And as I mentioned, uh, April 3rd to the 4th, the uh, first two rounds we played actually at Champions Retreat Golf Club in, in Augusta. Uh, and then the round three will be on April 6th. Um, following the 36-hole cut, uh, as you mentioned, that'll be at Augusta National. So that's going to be, uh, I, and I guarantee, was especially with not just the fact that it's um, really a, a big event for, for these young ladies, um, but because there are so many countries that are represented. I mean, the Masters draws a huge um, global audience uh, during that, that time, and uh, I'm sure it's going to 
equally draw a big audience uh, being such a, a you know a, 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 a great opportunity for these young ladies so uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of eyes watching especially with so many different countries being represented so um, very interesting uh, you know to, to yes, see how this thing plays out and I agree right well I'm sure they're going to have a lot yeah I think it's going to be I, I would be surprised if they didn't but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is going to be and um, and uh, I think it'll it'll really uh, it really it helped elevate women's golf even further. And I agree with you too, Jillian. I think that we're going to see in the very near future, I think we're going to see a professional, a professional women's tournament uh, at Augusta national. I think it's just, it's, it's probably in the pike already. They just haven't announced it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens as a result of this. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Um, seeing my daughter as we speak, because she's a producer at the golf channel and she, um, I, I, she just texted me. She goes, I had Joanne Kerner in this morning. I said, oh, that's cool. Did you tell her who you were? She goes, yeah. She goes, that's why you look familiar. <laughs> oh, my God. So let me ask you a question, Jillian. Do you know who Joanne Kerner is? I don't know. Sorry. Oh, my God. Jesus. Google her. She's like the coolest, okay. nicest, funniest Um so here's what Kelly just said. Morning drive. We'll have live opening tee shots tomorrow at champions retreat. So morning okay. drive. We'll have it tomorrow. But, um, so Joanne Carner is a hall of fame play on Saturday. will be on NBC. So here's an update, um, at Augusta national. So that's good to know. And then the drive chip and putt is Sunday. So that's why oh, our great. daughter lives in Orlando, and she has to uh, go up there on Saturday, which is good to know. But anyway, Joanne Carner, you got to Google Joanne Carner. She is like yes, forty three victories. I know she is. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't yeah. ring a bell at first. Yes, of course. Uh, okay, you're saved. You're saved because you got to know some history. <laughs> so I That's really right. like your attitude about not grinding all the time because I do believe that you can absolutely get burned out. So I'm proud of you for that. Um, yes. Well, I, I give that credit to my mom. She never pushed me when I was younger. And I think that's why I'm so successful now. I I, I didn't have six, so much success um, until, you know, some of these girls get are really good at, now you even see it at age like 14, 15, 16. These girls are just up and coming. They're, they're so talented and, hit the ball so far and have this refined short game, um, don't have that experience yet, but still you see it and, you, and you'll see even in the, the, um, the women's tournament that they'll have at the, at the Masters how young these, and talented these girls are. Um, but I, I grew up not super my – mo- my mom played professionally. Um, she played in college, and she kind of grew up teaching me. And uh, I – Sharon, it was Sharon Minnick. Um, she's Sharon Hollis now, but she played on the Futures Tour for four years, and then she played a year in Europe. Um, awesome. Yeah, so she didn't play very long, but she never wanted to push me. Um, she wanted me to fall in love with the game, and I really did around age 13 is when I really started taking golf, like, seriously. Um, I had dreams of playing golf in the South, Um uh, playing for a school in the South and that's all I wanted to do and um, kind of just worked 
have been working really, really hard since. Um, and uh, I, I think that's super important that I take my time off. I used to take my whole winter off. I would take November and December off, and now it's, it's mostly just December. I just didn't even touch a golf club because we play so much out of the whole year that it's nice to have that little bit of time um, to do other things. Well, that answers the question of why are you so balanced, and you absolutely have to be, and you're right. I think all these kids are pushed so much by parents who don't know what they're doing that they they burn out, and and it's hard to tell the kids that we teach an awful lot of kids up here, and, and I say to them, don't let that person bother you. You just keep doing what you're doing and working on your game and grow to love love the challenge and love working on the game and that's your fun and you're going to find that they just fall off the wagon and you're going to end up getting way better so you're right yes and i i I actually watched um something on instagram this morning from gary v it was a a short little instagram video about like figure out what you do if you had to do it for free and he's in he's in business and sales and he talks about how much he they they ask him how he stays motivated and he's like it's it's not motivation if you love what you do if you love what you do you know you're you're automatically motivated because you get up you get to get up every morning and and love what you're doing a lot of people sometimes chase the money or chase something else or right. the fame and and they think there's there's not money and things that they love like music or painting or golf or art or anything and there, there really is. You can create your own craft, and just if you, if you're loving what you're doing, it's never going to be challenging. It's never going to be challenging to be motivated or to work hard at what you're doing. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, you know what, um, Jillian? Some very wise words. Um, quickest way to kill a dream is to chase the money. Uh, chase the dream, not mm-hmm. the money. Um, and you'll always, you know, be successful in whatever it is that you do. And uh, money will follow. And, uh, you know, whether you, you know, become rich and famous or not is really irrelevant. If you enjoy and get up, like you said, every morning and enjoy what you're doing, um, that's, that's, in my opinion, is, is success. Um, well, Jillian, we've got to let you go, unfortunately. But uh, we appreciate you joining us early out in California. We know you've got to get ready for uh, this week's event. But congratulations again on behalf of Cindy Miller and I. Uh, on the Iowa Championship, and uh, go out and win some more tournaments. Ted, Cindy, thank you so much for having me. It was so nice talking to you. You too, honey. Good luck. Well, yeah, good luck this thank week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. appreciate All right. it. <laughs> uh, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, definitely a very focused young lady. Uh, definitely is going to uh, have a, a very successful career and, and a good attitude. I really like that. I agree with exactly what you said. Um, we got our next guest ready to go here, so let me just do a quick introduction, Cindy, and then we'll bring uh, her on. Of course, our, our guest here on the second half is Gail Peterson. She's both a PGA and LPGA uh, member. Uh, she spent a lifetime dedicating, uh, dedicated to helping golfers become better players, uh, everyone from the novice player right up to the tour players, and all levels of players come to Gail for help in playing their best golf. Uh, her 30 years of experience at Sea Island combined with Success stories of her students have earned her many accolades. Here's just a few. National LPGA Teacher of the Year, uh, Georgia PGA Teacher of the Year, Golf Digest America 
America's 50 Greatest Teachers, and Golf Magazine's Top 100 Teachers. Um, certainly, uh, and many, many more. We don't have enough time to read them all, but uh, definitely a lot of uh, uh, great accomplishments. So, so let's welcome our very special guest, Gail Peterson. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on with us. We appreciate it. It's pretty exciting here. And yes, all thank your, um, This is the first time I've listened to the radio show. I'm usually teaching this time of day, but I, I really enjoyed the, the segment prior to mine. It's awesome. Well, awesome. Very good. Yeah, the, yeah, young lady Jillian Hollis just won her first Symmetra Tour event, the uh, Iowa Championship, this past weekend, so we were uh, honored to have her join us this morning. Um, Cindy, I'm going to let you, uh, since you and Gail know one another, I'm going to let you start things off. So when I speak to you, what I hear is total wisdom. And and tell me what your philosophy is for helping someone really improve their game. Well, you know, I've I've been affiliated with a lot of great teachers, and there's so many in the country. Um, working with Golf Digest and Toski and Flick, and I've been with Jack Lumpkin um, teaching now for a long period of time. So all of them had the greatest, and still do have the greatest passion for teaching. And I think that's number one. You got to love what you do, just like we were, you were just saying. But I think you know every student is different. So being able to figure out what they need based on the time frame that they have available to play golf is really key to everything, knowing the student first and then applying different things that make it easy for them to perform better right away. Brilliant. Brilliant. What about if they don't have a lot of time to work on their game? Let's say somebody comes in and they shoot, you know, 100 to 105, and they really want to break 100. What would you, and they only get like an hour a week to practice, what would you suggest to them? Well, I think the first thing would be to take them out on the golf course and see what their strengths and weaknesses are. I think we all have some strengths. I know I can hit a low shot a lot higher than I can hit, uh, a lot better than I can hit a high shot. So when I'm not practicing very much, I try to leave myself that low shot. So I think coming up with a plan for them and seeing if the clubs in their bag really match their game. I mean, that's a big deal. If you don't have a lot of time to practice, you definitely want friendly equipment and you want to learn what are Mm -hmm. your friendly shots. Brilliant. Ted? Yeah, well said. Um, You know, Gail, I was – sort of uh, snooping around on your website and a couple things really stood out to me that I thought were great and I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. And the first one is is something that more amateurs need to do uh, and certainly need to do better. And I want you maybe to explain why you come up with this sort of philosophy. But um, And I'm talking about the practice time when they're actually out there working on their game. And you, you suggest that 75% of their practice time should be on the short game. Why is that? We know the reason, but I want you to share with the audience. Well, I think that um, those are the easiest in my mind to, I mean, get, doing away with three putts and, and being able to put the ball on the green for that higher handicapper is huge. I mean, and so the short game is someplace that we can excel. And 
And just with a few basic fundamentals, we can improve the short game pretty much overnight, especially, I mean, that 100 shooter, it's really easy to get that 100 shooter shooting below 100 if you know their game and you come up with shots at like a low shot and a high shot as a starting point and then, you know, develop those skills as they develop and they have more time available. But if you just went out on the golf course and, and played the golf course, and we do it a lot. We'll go from 20 yards and in. We'll play nine holes just from 20 yards and in, and we'll talk about different shots and different angles that make the green longer so we have an easier shot. And I mean, it's it's a blast when you get, can get out on the golf course with your student and, and really see them improve, and it's like a light bulb <laughs> turns on. That's right. Like, hey, I can do this. <laughs> I can really do it. Yeah, that that's so true. Um, let me just follow up on that. You know, something that we will all hear, uh, you know, Cindy, yourself, and, and myself as, as teacher professionals, we hear a lot of times, well, you know, I don't practice on the short game because, you know, as much as I should because it's, it's kind of boring. It's not as interesting as, you know, pulling out the driver and seeing how far I can hit it. What do you say to a student that comes up to you and says something similar to that, that, you know what, I just – I don't really enjoy on the putting green all the time and or you know chipping and 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 pitching and stuff like that because it's just not as as fun. What do you say to a student like that? Well, I think that you really have to take them to the short game and and show them some games and drills that are a blast. I mean you're not gonna just talk them into it by saying <laughs> you know you need to do that right so I think part of it is it's giving them direction and showing them that hey. You know, here we are. We're going to hit three shots from here to the front flag, the middle flag, the back flag. We're going to take our wedge out. We're going to give them different parameters based on their skill level. I mean, you know, like a tour player to the short flag from a good life, an easy shot. You know, they may try to get it in the hole or within a club length. But, you know, a higher handicap player, then their dimensions might be a little different. And so you can you can put tees around the hole and have them try to reach this goal and then move to the next one and the next one or alternate, you know, as they get better with it. But I think you got to show them how much fun it is. And you got to have a whole bag of tricks, not tricks, but a right. whole bag of a, right. games and drills <laughs> they can play to make it, you know, exciting for them. And finding out, you know, what really motivates them. You know, are they motivated by um, success? Are they motivated by hanging out with other people, socially motivated. I mean, so, you know, you you need to find out a lot about that player too, but basically giving them examples, you know, and I think it's really imperative for us as instructors to give them, you know, even if they come out for chipping, you say, okay, you know, you got two days a week, let's do this game two days a week or do this game one day, do this game the next day. So you give them kind of directions too of, Hey, this is a fun game, and you can kind of, I call it achieve and leave when you achieve it. But we do have a 30-minute match on, on the game for sure. Right. They're not there frustrating yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that. I think that's a great, uh, a great approach to that. And I think you have to, I mean, obviously golf is challenging enough, but I think you have to challenge the, the student a little bit as well. You've got to make them think. Uh, during that process and, and use a little bit of their, in, you know, their ingenuity, if you will, on, on how to tackle certain, uh, you know, things. I think a lot of people focus too much on uh, on technique and, and obviously there, there's a certain importance to that, but I think a lot of people, uh, you know, are worried about whether they get their arms in the right position or their hands are always in the right position and, and they focus too much on things that really don't make a difference. And we've seen over the years, you know, um, 
players that have had some pretty unorthodox golf swings uh, certainly weren't pitcher perfect, but went out and won a lot of tournaments because they knew how to play the game. Uh, I just want to ask you one more quick question, um, and then, Cindy, I'm going to bounce it back to you. Um, what do you think, Gail, was your best day of teaching? Um, what, what was there a day, and obviously I know you've had many because you've got a lot of great accomplishments, but was there a day that you just got up in the morning, you went out there and just had a great day, and you thought, wow, this was a great day? You know, I, um, I really enjoy teaching, and so I feel like that, you know, having the opportunity to teach is a great day, <laughs> and me going out there is a great day. I know some days <laughs> you just click with the student right away, um, you know. And, right. But you ha- I mean, I I feel like it's just an honor to be able to work with different players, you know, from whatever skill level and, and just see the joy they get out of the game. So I think, you know, with that attitude, I feel like, the more the challenge, um, I love challenges myself. So, you know, if I have somebody mm-hmm. that's hitting that hosel fade, <laughs> then I really <laughs> love the challenge of, of fixing that hosel fade. <laughs> so, I think, yeah. you know, I think not one day that comes to mind. I think that, you know, it can be just right. somebody getting the ball in the air the first time is, is great for them and, and helping people understand um, what – their expectations should be. Sometimes people are very good and, and CEOs of company and they recently re- retired and expectations are at that level, but they haven't played golf very much and just helping them understand, you know, here's where you are right now. And, you know, your goal might be if you're a new player to hit it every time and then it might be airborne and then it might be distance and direction. I mean, so I think that part of it's fun too. It's not only figuring out the personality of the student, what motivates them, but then what things you can apply. Some people, you know, you could stick a swimming noodle in their way and it would freak them out. So I think that you have to, you have to have a lot. I mean, you know, it's just them being in that small space is hard. And I think that, you know, that block and random practice going back to practice is critical. I think, that we need to express to our students the the more they have random practice. So we might take five minutes to, over in the chipping area and have them set up a station for whatever their practice might be. Like I had a lady yesterday that, you know, didn't realize that you hit the ball before you hit the turf, which is we really don't know how much what our students know. I mean, that's the hard thing. You don't know if they know what out to end means or end to out so you really have to express things in a lot of different ways but she didn't know you hit the ball first so we put some balls behind the ball that she was going to hit she missed the balls going back and then hit the ball going through so she started pinching the ball up against the turf I mean it was it was awesome and then and then we did that for like five minutes and she was aimed way to the right so we just put a channel down with a couple sticks so we said okay in your practice just do that the first five minutes of your practice and then here's here's what we're going to do we're going to do this combination game so then we gave we started on this game and then we did this nine ball game that you hit nine balls to the cup and then like she was about a 12 handicap player and so then she had to take her wedge and go up and stick it in the hole and circle and any ball that was in that circle she didn't have to hit again and then she just chipped until she got all nine balls in the circle and it didn't have to be consecutively it took her about maybe seven or eight minutes and then we went to another area i mean we didn't stay there for 
hours or long periods of time because right. we all go into that brain melt stage if we stay somewhere too long and do the same thing. So that, that block and random practice is big. That random practice meaning more like one ball hit to the front flag, the second flag, the third flag, so that you're playing golf. I mean, that's more like simulating not having two shots in a row. The only time you have two shots in a row is when you have to when you're out of bounds or something on the golf course. So I like the random part of it. I I do a lot of random practice and a little block practice, especially as they come closer to some event that means something to them. You know, it's going to, that, that formula is going to really switch. Right. Well said. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So what I hear from you, excuse me, what I hear from you is an awful lot of right brain, play golf, have fun. And you are at one of the best teaching facilities in the world, probably. And you have access to all the technology there is. How do you, do you integrate the technology or is it more important for you to teach them how to play golf and have fun and be more right brain? Well, that's a great question. I think it depends on the student. By the way, our um, Sea Island Golf Performance Center is opening today. We're having our members' cocktail party tonight. It's a new 17,000-square-foot building with all the bells and whistles you could possibly want in it. So so it's a great time to ask about technology questions. Um, I think, you know, in the assessment stage, if you were assessing that player, depending on the skill level, then you might want a benchmark or a starting point. If you're in a developmental program, you definitely want to keep measuring so that you can you can see how the improvement's going. If they're not improving, then figure out why they're not improving from that standpoint. But, um, you know, we have force plates. we got this new Zen putting green that is uh, it's unbelievable. This thing you can set five different breaks on one putt on this putting surface. But but I only would t- I'm only going to take them over there if they need it. I'm, you know, the force plates and stuff that show where your weight is. I mean, that's great if somebody's not getting it and they don't see where their weight is at address. Maybe they're real heel bias at address. But but I'm only going to use it as, as I need it. I mean, and I feel like the student needs it. And I wouldn't stay in there with the track man or if we have track man we bring it out you know sometimes if we want to start up if we have somebody all week then we might bring it out there we might bring it out there to show them how great they're doing you know we might use it as a motivational tool not just an assessment tool i mean there's just so many ways to use that equipment but when i go out on the lpga tour i don't have that equipment so i need to really keep my observation skills sharp so that i can see stuff out there without the equipment so i don't want to i mean i'm not going to get dependent on it but i wouldn't want to use it so much that i that i couldn't tell what's going on you know to change the ball flight so i'm going to use it some it's accessible. We can just walk inside, use it, and come back out. We've got some of it on the range. So, you know, it's nice to be have the accessibility to use it, but using it when the student in front of you needs it is the, is the key. I the agree. The why, the why is a big... Yeah, 
I would agree with that. And, you know, Cindy, you and I have talked about this a number of times, and, and you know, we we both have used our fair share of technology, and I think there is a place and time. And, and I like how you, you really just put this, scale in perspective. I think, you know, to, uh, to develop sort of a benchmark uh, or a starting point, if you will, uh, with your student, I think it's it's good to have that. But, you know, one of the, the criticisms I do have with technology is I think, unfortunately, and I think it's more um, – you know, in a lot of the some of the younger uh, teaching pros that are coming up because they were sort of taught uh, themselves on a lot of this technology is they're relying too heavily on it. And again, you can't take a lot of this stuff out with, you know, if you're working with tour players out on the tour. So um, you have to have a, a keen sense of of, um, of observation yourself to be able to identify certain key problems. And I, I've always looked at this and, and you know, you, you may agree or disagree, but I've looked at from a teaching professional standpoint, that we're really what we are as problem solvers. Um, we teach how to handle different situations, uh, and we try to instill that on our students so that when they're out there, because they're not always going to have us available, um, you know, when they're in a, uh, an actual round. So, you know, they have to learn how to problem solve when they get out in the golf course, and that's really what we're teaching them. We teach them, obviously, the basics and the fundamentals of the golf swing, but from that point on, um, we're really teaching them how to play the game and then they take that information out on the golf course and apply it, you know, where it's applicable. And I think that's really what we have to do as, as teach professionals. And I think if we're relying too much on the numbers and technology and things like that all the time, um, then we're kind of really getting away from teaching. We might as well just hook them up with some electrodes and, and let the machine do the work. And I think that that's not always in the best interest of the students. Um, agree, disagree, or, or what are your thoughts, ladies? Well, I think I think that that it's not about it's not just about the the how, it's why am I using this equipment? <laughs> you know, what is it going to do for right. my students? So, I know the why part of it's big and and being balanced with it, you know, and and using it because you can get that analysis by paralysis if you use something too much and not let them free their mind and kind of plague off and right. be more target based better number base but I think there's a place for both um, and I think as right. an instructor you have to find the balance for the student standing in front of you what's going to help them and why you're using it am I using it to show them that I have equipment is it a credential thing sometimes people f- affiliate track man with you have high credentials <laughs> I mean there's, there's definitely right. <laughs> correlation in some people's minds the students minds that you have that right. credential and it's a great tool, you know, and I think all of them are great tools if if you just use them for the student and for them getting better to play better golf. I mean, I think it's it's about playing right. better golf and, and and you know, like we were saying earlier, knowing yourself, I mean, it's a great way to get numbers and come up with, a, with shot numbers, club numbers, and them knowing – exactly what their carries are and some you know there'll be variations based on the skill level i mean their dispersion might be greater on some but them just having some place to start you know i like doing a um, yardage card for my students and they and they on the yardage card it might be you know it might be hip high to hip high chest high to chest high shoulder high to shoulder high with all their wedges and they know their carry numbers and then we put and then you know, the shots that they hit into the green are the, you know, the most important numbers that they need to know, the carry numbers. And so we'll come up with a, 
yardage card, laminate it, punch a hole in it, and it, we stick it on their bag, and then they use that yardage card. And the, and that yardage, you know, as they get better, that yard, those yardages are going to change. But I know that part of playing better golf is to know yourself, and knowing yourself definitely right. is knowing kind of a range of your yardages. You know, and and the tour players, you know, they know if they grip down on it a, an inch, if they hit a stock shot or grip down an inch, and then the punch shot, they know all those yardages for their carries. Right. But the average doesn't have time to do that. And I think using that launch monitor would be great for doing that. It would be, if you don't have that, you know, it's raining down here after the rain, um, you could go out and hit shots and, and you'd get a pitch mark and then you could shoot, you know, you could shoot that if you had a bushel or you could step it off if you don't have one and just come up with some starting numbers of, of different clubs. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I think that's a great way to to, to put it. Um, Cindy, any any final thoughts or comments before we let uh, Gail go? No, I just thank you so much for being our guest today. I just I love your wisdom and your brilliance, and and we can all learn from each other. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Come down to Sea Island if you get a chance, and come visit us. Would love to. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you very much, Gail. Uh, again, uh, I concur with Cindy for joining us this morning and sharing some of your thoughts and wisdom of the game with, with our listeners, and uh, we'd love to have you come back anytime you want. Okay, thank you so much. All right, that was our very special guest on the second half, Gail Peterson, um, member of the LPGA and PGA, and you can find her out at Sea Island. Uh, definitely a great facility. Um, a lot of great wisdom for sure, Cindy. She definitely uh, knows her stuff, and I think she hit it right on the head. You know, you really have to know your students. And, um, uh, you know, again, technology is great and has its place, but I think more importantly, once you get a better understanding of who you're working with and, and how they um, think and what they think um, gives you some great insight, gives you actually better insight than any equipment, in my opinion. But um, some more definite words of wisdom, and I think we can all help one another, as you suggest, uh, in this business to be able to take um, some little nuggets here and there. All right. Well, have a good uh, boot camp next week. And uh, is it next week? Yes, right? Yes, yes. I'll be talking okay. to you, though. Have I'll a good, be there. I know you, I know you will. Uh, all right. On behalf of Cindy Miller and I, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us uh, this morning on the Women of Golf, and we look forward to seeing you come back here next Tuesday for another great uh, show. We'll have a winner of uh, this weekend's uh, Symmetric Tour and another great guest for next week, so hope you'll join us. God bless everybody. Thanks always, Cindy. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.